0: Well, can I give you a welcome, especially if you're here for the first time? Um, as Chris said, this is a sort of vision talk that I'm doing this morning, and, and that's not unusual in the sense that every year we would tend to try and do a vision talk again to re-engage. What has God called us to do? And this one's coming a little bit out of left field, actually. This isn't the usual date that we would do a vision talk, but we just have felt as a team, and we're going to talk about it really. About what God has been saying to us. We felt like actually he's been speaking specifically about direction, uh, the direction that we are to go in, uh, and he's given us a clarity there. If you don't know anything about us, we started, we moved from Leeds uh, pretty much five years ago, Um, and there's a group of us who moved over from different areas, mainly Leeds, and we, God called us to Liverpool to reach this city, and we came up with this vision behind us, if you can see, it's the sense of loving God, okay? This is first and foremost. Nothing happens without our love increasing for God. Everything is pointless unless this is at the center of everything we do. If we aren't growing more in love with God, if, if it doesn't come out of a love for God, then I want to say, actually, it's just what anybody else can do. Actually, it's where the church is, is made up with its identity. We are a people of the presence of God. And then it's loving one another, loving Liverpool, and loving the nations, and as I said, we landed five years ago, it was probably four years ago, pretty much to this month, that we started meeting in a classroom, that's how small we were, just meeting in a classroom together, and then we started meeting in the drama hall, and here we are today, meeting in this hall, so we have moved from venue to venue in the school, the school's been brilliant, and looking at vision, just, just as a slight caveat as well, almost always, and so I want to make sort of an apology this morning, almost always we would preach directly from a passage in the Bible, okay? Even when I was doing vision, so the vision we did last time, I was looking specifically at Acts 2. This morning, I'm not using a passage, okay? We're bringing some stuff from where we feel like God's guiding us. That doesn't mean it's not biblical. There will be biblical references. But I do, just just in case you're here for the first time, every Sunday, and this is where our members know, every Sunday we would preach exegetically from the Bible. We believe that the word of God is living and active. We believe uh, it is um, it is God's word. It's an inspired word for us. Okay, But I want to look at vision. Vision's a funny thing, is it? Because it's an amazingly powerful tool. And it can have the most amazing impact when we grasp hold of a vision that compels us. It can make us go to extraordinary lengths. It can have astonishing effects and results when it's fulfilled. And I was thinking about visionaries that we have in the modern world today, or people who have been, who have had a huge impact on our world as visionaries. Uh, the first one I was thinking about was Henry Ford. Henry Ford, many of you will know, he um, was the first man to pioneer the assembly line. He saw the automobile, decided this wasn't just for the very wealthy. This wasn't just for the very wealthy, the automobile. It, he wanted to see an automobile in every home. He wanted every person to be able to afford a car. And actually, he invented this process that he could mass produce cars. And now, thinking about our modern day, to think about it without that is unthinkable. Okay? He saw something and he inspired people to get alongside and to see this vision outworked. And he managed it. There we go, Thomas Edison. (laughs) The light bulb. He introduced one of the first commercial electric grids in the world. Within 50 years of Edison introducing the electric grid, gaslight was all but forgotten. And this was how they lived gaslights. And elect- electricity emerged as the power source for the masses. And we know today, electricity, what would we be doing without electricity? Okay, here we have a man who saw something, he recognized something, he invented something, and actually it had a huge impact on the world. The next one we know, most of us will know who invented Facebook was Mark Zuckerberg, and he had a vision that people could engage online like never before, that people could create friendships and keep connected with each other, and he brought people online to this vision, and actually social media today we see is a massive, Massive part of our world, isn't it? And to think about it, I mean, thinking about our youth are sitting in here. For them to think about a world without social media, I think is probably pretty hard. We can remember, (laughs) but actually for our youth, they probably can't remember a world without it. And finally, Apple. This is an old Apple slogan, but Steve Jobs. And I just want to tell a story about Steve Jobs. He's no longer with us, obviously, but he, as we know, invented... Mac, he invented the uh, personal computer alongside Steve Wozniak. And um, he had a vision about the computer. He had a vision that this wasn't just about businesses owning large computer systems. This was about every home having access to a personal computer. He believed that this would revolutionize the world that we live in. And uh, this story that I read, he says he took the plunge, he started his own company. The problem was that he knew computers, but he didn't know business so well. And he needed the best CEO he could get. And for him, he knew exactly who he wanted as his CEO. And it was a man called John Scully. And John Scully was a current CEO of a big corporation called Pepsi-Cola. okay. And he decided this was the guy that he wanted. So he had to convince John Scully to come work for this little company that had no name, no real brand, um, and no no success to it. And he wanted to persuade him to leave this prominent position that he worked for in one of the biggest companies in the world and come and be the CEO of his business. And some way, somehow, Steve managed to schedule a meeting with John Scully. And they sat down, and John Scully listened patiently to this young man's presentation. He even allowed Steve, it says, to schedule another meeting. And finally, after several appointments, Scully introduced Steve to the reality of life. And he said to Steve, listen, you'd have to give me a million-dollar salary. Not only that, I'd need a million-dollar signing bonus and a million dollar severance package. Steve was obviously shocked. He was thinking about the figures and thinking there's just no way. But he thought, you know what, I'm going to forge ahead with this one. So he got bold. He blurted out the words, you've got it. Whatever you ask for, even if I have to pay for it out of my own pocket. Scully obviously was a, an astute businessman. Could see there's no way that Steve Jobs could afford this with his current state of play. And he said this to Steve. He said, I'd like to be an advisor for you, but I don't think I can come and be a CEO for you. And we're told Steve dropped his head in this meeting. He took a long breath and he issued a challenge to Scully. And he said this, do you want to spend the rest of your life selling sugared water Or do you want a chance to change the world? And John Scully, on the back of that, he resigned from Pepsi-Cola, and he took Steve Jobs' offer up of leading this little fledgling company called Apple. And I think, honestly, has it changed the world? Yeah, definitely changed the world we live in. It's now one of the biggest companies in the world, if not the biggest. And it's interesting, isn't it, this vision that... Steve bought to John Scully meant this man would leave a firm that was a giant firm with a huge salary, and something grasped him, okay? This company, Apple, has obviously had, I would say, a positive outcome, you know, for people when it comes to education, you know, a a home computer in every home means that people can be educated, It has a great positive influence. Even the way people listen to music today has changed because of Apple. There's lots of things that it's done. The way that people even spend their leisure time using Apple products, managing a healthy lifestyle is used through Apple. And you know, it's all very impressive if you look at the company of Apple. But I want to remind us this morning that actually we have a call as a church God has called us. And the thing that we've been called to is not just about having an effect on the here and now for people. Although that is what we're called to do. But we're called to have an effect on an eternal landscape. To change people's eternal consequence. I believe it's a call that it's not just a good news for today. Today. It's one that is life-saving news forever. It's a call that has literally caused men and women throughout generation after generation to give their time, to give their energy, to give their resources, and even their lives to the vision of the church. It's a vision that has captured hearts and minds for many men and women for centuries. That's the church. So what is it? Bill Heibel says this about the church. He says, there is nothing like the local church when it's working right. Its beauty is indescribable. Its power is breathtaking. Its potential is unlimited. It comforts the grieving and heals the broken in the context of community. It builds bridges to seekers and offers truth to the confused. It provides resources for those in need and opens its arms to the forgotten, the downtrodden, the disillusioned. It breaks the chains of addiction, frees the oppressed, and offers belonging to the marginalized of this world. Whatever the capacity for human suffering, the church has a greater capacity for healing and wholeness. Still to this day, the potential of the local church is almost more than I can grasp. No other organization on earth is like it. Nothing even comes close. He describes the church as the hope of the world. That's who we are, folks. We are the very hope of the world. And if I hope, like me, you're getting excited as you read this. I hope it brings faith for what God has called us into again, what he has promised to do through his bride. But if I can be honest, I want to just tell you that there are times, and, and I found myself approaching the summer, where when I look at the vision for church here it was growing a little bit dimmer. Okay? Faith, looking at that and seeing what we have, it just grew a little bit dimmer. And it's like going for a walk. You know, we've been, been to the Lake District quite a lot and you go up onto the mountaintops and you see this amazing landscape, this vast landscape. And you can see this beautiful picture. Just like we see... As we read this, as we read Acts 2, this beautiful picture of the church. And yet, for me, at that point in time, it felt, it felt like the weather had come in. Like there was maybe a, a mist that had just come down very quickly. Okay? And this can happen at times. And actually, the landscape hasn't changed. It's still this beautiful thing that God has made it to be. Absolutely. But for me, there and then, being able to see it, I knew it was there, but seeing it and having faith for it, actually what happens in that situation is you end up focusing on this journey. You know what's around you, but you've set your path, and your focus has become looking down and making sure you can get through beyond the mist. And in that, you can end up maybe losing some of your joy, okay, over... The church, over this bride, over the very vehicle that God has said he's going to use to bring his kingdom in. I don't know if you've ever found yourself there. I think in our church we have an aging population, which actually, if I'm honest, many of you I'm sure have been there where you've gone, man, the church, God has promised this. And yet there's been disillusion, there's been disappointment. And as I reflected on freedom, I started to recognize, do you know what? It feels like there's a bit of a vision gap. We've got this vision that we're out working. But it felt a little bit like um, there are areas in church life that we are not moving forward in. There's no clear path. It feels a little bit like we're wandering in this mist and not really fully knowing where we're going with it. And so I found myself coming to God and asking those questions Again, Lord, give us your direction, give us your vision, give us your grace to again just restore faith for this picture of what you have promised the church will be and will look like. I want to say, do you know what? It's easy in the busyness of life, in the busyness of church, to lose sight of Jesus in it all. The very person that we're called to serve, that we're called to grow in love with and I think honestly probably lost a little bit of sight of Jesus in that and so it's ever so helpful just coming back I found myself going back saying lords minister to me and you know what he is the servant we've come to serve and model him but he's the servant he says come sit at my feet I want to serve you and there's a sense that as I reflected, as I used the summer just to pray, keep praying, keep asking, I felt God again uh, giving me more vision. He started pointing me back to passages like Isaiah 61, Acts 2, looking at Paul's missionary journeys as he went and he planted churches, church after church after church, looking at God's providence. are things that just set my soul alight again, brought faith to me. And I found myself going back again, looking at the stories so important that God speaks to us, journaling stuff about how He's led us here, and coming back to looking at how we spoke as we came to Liverpool, coming back to thinking how he spoke to Tor about 15 times, because she didn't want to come to the city, and yet he just kept speaking, so gracious. thinking about Guy and Lauren's story, the miraculous happening. As he spoke for them to come to Liverpool, many miraculous stories that he has a purpose and a plan for this city. And this rose faith that God has a plan and a purpose for this city. He has a plan to reach some of the poorest areas of this city, He has a plan for us as a church to reach out to those who are drowning in debt. He has a plan for those who feel abandoned and lonely. He has a plan to bring purpose to those who feel none, who don't know where they're going. He has a plan to release those who are in bondage, bondage to slavery, to drugs, to uh, sex trafficking, to abusive relationships. He has a plan to bring joy to those who have none, And as we as a team started praying for more direction, this is what we do. I got a phone call. It was literally the week before the summer holidays from Chilwell Valley Methodist Church. And we've met in this church before. Show that next slide. Got a phone call from these guys and it was the vicar explaining that they'd got permission from the Methodist board to sell this building. It was now up for sale. And... They think it was going to go for about 450, pounds pounds And it would be given to the highest bidder, whoever that was. It was going to be offered to developers. And, you know, this is one of these points in time where you think God is using something to help to stir the vision, to give us real direction. Because when you're offered this like this, it makes you, it forces you to make sure you've got a clear direction. God and where he wants you to go and you know as we prayed I was was quite surprised the thought of a building midweek instead of just on a Sunday morning that we could run ministries out of it's exciting the thought of set up and pack down being 10 times easier every week was pretty alluring the thought of a project you know I thought yeah but you know when it came to feeling peace or faith for this building, it just wasn't there. The thought of spending half a million pounds on a building which is sort of 500 meters away, doesn't have the parking that we have here, doesn't have the facilities that we have there, isn't as pubic- publicly visible just made me go, Ugh. The thought of spending major amounts of money on a building that wasn't going to change. Or, or give us anything additional. Just thought, no, this doesn't feel right. But what it did do is it allowed us to start coming back to God again and saying, Lord, what have you got for us? And we started this conversation. What is the vision? What are we going to look like in five years' time? Is God called us to one big congregation? And there are churches in Liverpool with one large congregation. Or has he called us to multiple sites across the city? And this was one of those questions that we talked about before. And um, actually, as we looked at it, as we prayed about it, we felt, and just to say, actually, there is no right or wrong way of doing it. Okay, I just want to say that. We need large churches in the city that have huge influence. And we need small churches in the city where there's multiple sites. There isn't a right or a wrong way of doing it. But as we prayed about it, we felt as we looked at Liverpool and we looked at the needs of this city and we looked at the gift set of the team that we have here, we felt like God was calling us to a multi-site vision, to have multiple sites across this city. And you know, Liverpool is, as a city, it's quite a parochial city. There are many parts of the city that people will just not travel for. And they hardly even travel into town. They will go to their local high street. So thinking about a church congregation, they want something local. We're called as a church to reach this city. God has given us a big vision for this. And we really feel like this is the way that he is directing us and guiding us, is to multi-site And so as we thought about this and we got stirred and started praying about it, we came back to this response that we had towards a building. And we recognized that at the stage that we're at as a church, that not having a building midweek does have an impact on us, okay? It does limit how we can reach out to Liverpool. And there was something that happened in thinking about a building midweek that made us come back to thinking about a building now. And um, we started thinking about all the things that we could do with this building midweek. And as we were praying, Matt had this image. He had this image of a, is it the next one? Yeah. I don't know if you can see that actually. He had this image of a bicycle wheel, okay, over the city of Liverpool. And almost looking at, it's called a hub model. And so we felt this picture served us as we thought about how are we going to reach this city? How are we going to do it with multi-sites? And we started thinking about this idea of a hub. Um, And this hub, just to say, it's placed there on the map. It's it's never going to be a perfect circle. It may not be placed there on the map. It's just to help you to understand, okay? Before you go saying, it's there then. No. The idea behind a hub, the idea behind having a building midweek, means that we can serve a city in a way that we can't at the minute. And it excites us. So all that social action that we do with baby basics, you know, giving away hundreds of baskets, literally, to the most vulnerable women in Liverpool. It's a phenomenal thing that we're having an impact on this city. And I was speaking to Steph, who he was here this week, and he said, for him, there's this element of, if the church shut the doors tomorrow, would your neighbourhood realise Would it have an impact on the city? And for us, honestly, yes, it would. But it's still just scratching the surface when it comes to having an impact. And so having something midweek where we can run our charities from, run Baby Basics. We're just about to start Bags of Hope, although they're not going to be called Bags of Hope, as we um, start this thing into Alder Hay Hospital. to mothers and fathers who um, are there with very sick children as we provide for them. And as I look around this congregation and I see the gift set that God's given us, I know we're going to have debt advice services. We're going to have counseling services, okay? There's lots of things. We want to be able to run youth services from there. Youth work, kids work, prayer meetings, worship events, training, toddler groups. Lots of things that we can run midweek that we feel God has called us to to serve this city. And um, the idea is that we will keep planting out congregations, multi-sites, as God gives us faith to do so. But you know, (laughs) this isn't a small decision to take. And as we look at it in the norm, if I'm totally honest, as a leadership, it can feel very daunting. We already feel fairly stretched, okay? As a team, we have young families, And I guess we're coming back to this question is, how are we going to achieve this? And we went back to Matthew 28 of going and making disciples of all nations. This is the simple call that we've been given, to go and make disciples of all nations. And I just want to say that we are so thankful for you, the church, the Freedom Church, in the way that you serve. Okay, We could not do this without you, and we wouldn't be where we are without you. This isn't about The eldership team or the leadership team or those you see up front. It's not about that. Okay? The church, the way God has made it to work is many players doing their part. Do you know, as we looked at this vision of multi site, we recognized that actually the only way of achieving this is to continue to raise up people who can lead. It's with God's help. We need more leaders. We need people who've got capacity to reach out, and we felt the need, even highlighted by Dave Holden, who's the apostolic over us, to raise up new leaders who can help shape the culture here in Freedom Church. Do you know we are all called to make disciples, and we recognize that in this journey of church growth, in this journey for us as a church plant becoming a church, discipleship, has always been on the forefront. It's always been a priority, but actually when we look at the time that we spent on it, it hasn't actually been our focus. Okay? And so for us as a team, we know that we have started to focus this last sort of four or five months on really thinking about how do we train up and, and equip the church? How do we get much more intentional in that? And... um Do you know, we know this isn't just going to happen as we think about multi site It's not just going to happen if we just keep talking about it. Let's just keep talking about being a multi-site. It doesn't happen. God has called us to work hard. He's called us to train and equip others to lead. And you know, we've got a real faith and excitement for how God is going to do this. We know and we feel that he's called us to a big work. We feel like he's added to us many people that we've been praying about for their gifts, for the things that he's given them. And as we started to look at Freedom Church in this context, we started to look at every area of church life through this lens. Okay? How are we going to work out this challenge, this vision that we feel God is calling us to reach this city? And we started looking at every area of church life and saying, does that help us in reaching out to this city? Does it help us with multi-site, and so I just want to touch on a few things that we're going to be doing, and a few changes that we're going to be making to help us as we as we look at the church through this lens. The first is academy. Chris, you just want to share just a little bit about that.
1: Okay. Yeah, uh, one of the the real benefits of being part of a, a wider family of churches, we're part of New Grounds, which is uh, within New Frontiers. It's, it gives us access to various resources, and one of these resources is called Academy. And it is a two-year training course in leadership, and it it, it talks about for church leaders and church shapers. What that means is, look, anyone who has a passion and a heart for being involved in a local church and in some sort of leadership capacity, that doesn't mean an elder necessarily, doesn't mean somebody preaches, it could be somebody who does kids' work. Uh, someone who is on the tea and coffee team, leading the tea and coffee team, it could be any any form of church leadership, anywhere where you you believe God has called you to be part of leading in the church. It might be that you're not leading anything at the moment, but you just know there's a stirring in you to, that God is calling you for more and, th- and to be to do more in the church. And it's uh, as I say, it's a two year course, and it's absolutely fantastic. I've been to I've been to some of the sessions. We've got some of the uh, some of the most gifted teachers and leaders in New Frontiers uh, teaching on on this course. And it's deliberately, we're running it so that it it will try and fit it into people's lives. We know that doing courses and learning can be a big commitment. uh, And and time-wise, we're all busy people. We've all got things to do, especially if you're working. Mm -hmm. The way we're going to run this is it's going to start in January and it will be run uh, once a month on a Friday evening after work and then a Saturday daytime. Together each month, ten months a year, so it should fit even if you, you even if you're in full time employment there is a way of doing this and we just want to uh, help people to just go deeper with god th- 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 it covers a whole range of topics uh, there's there's loads of excellent Bible teaching in there there's going deeper into parts of the Bible I, I one of the sessions I went to was on revelation and I tell you it just changed my whole view of that book and and just taught me. All sorts of things in just half a day that I, I just I never even realised. There's really practical sessions on growing churches in difficult areas, on on trying to trying to build a congregation that's that's um, diverse, age, gender, uh, race, everything. Um, really practical and helpful things. And if if you're sitting there thinking, "I'm too old for this," you're not. It's for any age. It doesn't matter how, where you are in your Christian journey. There will be stuff that you can learn that will help you to grow. If you're sitting there thinking, I'm not clever enough, I'm not academic enough, you are. It's not an academic course. There's no essays to write. There's no exams to take. It's it's built and designed as a community. So there's teaching each time, but then you split into groups and you discuss and you learn and you grow together. And the whole thing is it's meant to be accessible. It's meant to be available. And we're just offering it to you uh, as an opportunity to grow deeper in and develop the, the the gifts and the skills and the passion that you have, um, so if you want to know more about, please come and speak to me. There is a cost to it it 's two hundred and fifty pounds uh, for a y- per year. But we don't want that cost to be prohibitive if, if, if you're desperate to do it and, and that money is, is too difficult for you. Come and speak to us. That doesn't mean doesn't rule you out. We don't want people any, ever to be ruled out for things just because of money in this church. If that's a problem, please come and speak to us. But we would love to sign as many people up. I know I've already spoken to a few people who are really excited about it and going to be doing it. We want to see as many people on this as possible because, as Chris said, the vision that we are, see, that we are serving actually it, it needs leaders. We can't do it on our own. And we want to reach the, the geographical area we want to reach. It it needs lots and lots of people trained up in godliness and, and leadership. And this is a brilliant tool for doing that. So please get excited about it. Come and speak to me about it. We'd love to have you involved. Do you know what? I, have, I can guarantee you this will be good for your
0: soul. Okay? You want to grow in love for him? This will help. Because you'll be getting to know him. Okay? You'll be learning about him, so please take it seriously. Um, just a few of the little things that we're going to be changing. One is uh, our life groups are grown. We've got seven life groups now, and we've been very fluid with them. And and for our leaders in the life groups, we've essentially said, "Do what you want to do." Um, but as we grow, we do need a little bit more uniformity. Okay. So one of the things that we're going to be doing is making sure that we can apply the Word of God from the Sunday. So we're going to be starting to ask groups to cover. The word that was bought on the Sunday. We think it's really important to get an opportunity to talk about it and look at how we apply that in our lives today. Probably the biggest talk, uh, biggest change that we're looking at is on a Sunday morning, and almost this is separate to the vision that we have, and, and yet at the same time I think it will feed into it. Um, I really believe that we are a church for the unchurched. Okay, actually God has called us to reach many different neighbourhoods, and. I know on a Sunday morning, uh, kids. Kids, we love our kids. It's probably the fastest growing area of church life for us in Freedom Church, but it's chaos, okay? And actually, chaos is okay. This is what the early church looked like. It was chaos. Uh, so there's something we're doing right. At the same time, we're just aware that actually, um, as we look at our kids and they're growing up and getting older, we want them to have a passionate relationship, personal relationship with Jesus. And we are aware for um, parents that actually the amount of time that we ask them to sit in during the worship is, is demanding, okay? In fact, as we've encountered other churches across the Newground churches, most of them have gone, well, we don't have kids in our meetings at all. They're out from the beginning of the service to the end. And do you know when we heard this, I think for some of our worship leaders, it was like, woo I think for us as a team, all the parents, there's this, there's this ideal in your heads that we want our kids worshipping with us. We want them to see what a worshipping community looks like. We want them to engage with all ages. Okay, these are some of the, the values that we look at and go, man, we don't want to compromise that. At the same time, we totally believe that children are to be raised in the home. Okay? As parents, that's where the major role comes for bringing your child up in God's. Okay, it's amazing kids' work that we have, and they will teach them the word of God. But if a Sunday morning is the only place, we've got a problem. And we have felt as a team, we don't, we don't want to just send our kids out from, from stage zero. We want them to stay in for some worship. So we're now looking at two songs. Okay, it's it's going to change. We're going to start with tea and coffee. We obviously have tea and coffee in the middle, which was about our alpha course. And actually, we're looking again. And saying, let's just go for a different change. So we're going to start with tea and coffee. And then our kids are going to go out after two songs. We're going to bring back some of the testimonies that we used to have. Okay? We think it's so important to keep reminding ourselves of how God is working in each other's lives during the week. Okay? Our kids are going to be out there for that entire time. We're going to keep worshipping and then the word's going to be bought. And uh, we just feel like actually there's something here for us parents to be able to get that time to rest and soak in God, okay, and to be not, you, you'll have seen me this morning, and I think this is one of the things that we realize, as a team, we have an ideal that we want our kids to be in, and yet at the same time, we recognize that we don't want our kids hating church, we don't want them to feel like they're the ones that are having to be quiet all the time, and you'll have seen me running around this hall after my children, because for some reason, they seem to be the most rowdy, but... <laughs> But I think we want to, what we realized is that some, some families who uh, have been saved in the church, and even other families who have come to join us, we recognize that actually some of them have stopped bringing their kids to church, probably because it's very hard to look after your children for that length of time during a worship time. We've recognized that actually some are turning up at the end of worship because it's easier to manage their kids. And so we want to be a church for the unchurched. We want to make it as easy as possible for parents to bring their children to church. But we don't want to compromise on saying we want our kids to see the vision of what a worshipping community looks like. We want them to engage with all ages. And so that's one of the big changes that we're making. And I just want to end by saying change is never comfortable. But I want to say we've not been called to a life of comfortableness. We've been called to be world changers. We've been called to make his name known. Okay? This is going to be costly. This move, this vision. It always is. Okay? I've been asked several times, you know, as we move to the city, what is it that caused you to sell your house, to leave your job, to move your entire family to a new city? I've also been asked, how do you keep going? Life is busy with children. It's busy with church. And church seems to have an unending amount of demands on our time. And I have to be honest, at times I look at it and I think, what am I doing? (laughs) Is it all worth it? And then I look around and I see real lives that have been affected and changed. I see people like Heidi and Sarah, and Millie, and Trish, and Josh. And I see where God has brought them, where there's been brokenness, where there's been hopelessness and desperation for life and for joy. And I see that God has broken in to people's lives right here. And that doesn't mean there's no problems in these people's lives because we all have problems in our lives. But seeing how God is broken into individuals' lives. Seeing Millie's post, Millie wrote this post on the Freedom um, Facebook page as she got baptized. She says, I came to Liverpool lost, alone and depressed. Being the furthest person away from Christianity, I only came to see a friend as something to do. But since joining this church 10 months ago and taking very small steps, I have now found not only a newfound faith, but a group of friends I am proud to call family. That does it every time for me. Being able to pray with Josh at New Day as we prayed the prayer being able to take him to the bookshop and buy his first Bible with him. Seeing noticeable change, almost instantaneous. He didn't want to go in and listen to a May meeting session and actually there was an interest. Suddenly God had done something. There was an engagement in wanting to know more about who Jesus was. And you know, there's a cost. And it's costly for us, it's costly for you. It's costly when it comes to our time. It's costly when it comes to spending time with our kids or with with my wife. It's costly in money and resource that we plough into Freedom Church. But when we look at the stories of change and transformation, when we see you supporting each other through life's difficult circumstances, we see the help and the care and the prayer that the church provides It just makes it all worth it for me. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Do You know, it has cost God so much more than we could ever imagine to restore his people. And it is humbling for me to know that we have a God who would do this for us. Even though we persecuted him, we rejected him. We abandoned him, and yet he laid down his life for us. One more quote for you. This is Bill Hybels again. He says, when the Holy Spirit is in charge, and when God's anointing power is on a church, lost people are getting found, found people are growing up, and lonely people are getting enfolded. and bored people are finding a purpose and a cause and the poor are being cared for. To me, when that's all happening, prompted and empowered by the Spirit, as opposed to fueled by human power, that is the most beautiful activity I've ever witnessed. This vision is not going to actually be achieved by our might, by our strength, by us doing more and more and more. It's a work of the Spirit but I just want to say that's not a passive role for us. That doesn't mean we sit back and do nothing. It means we cry out to God for his spirit to fill us, to give us boldness, to give us strength, to give us faith for this picture of his beautiful bride. So what are we asking you to do, church, Freedom Church? Do you know, unashamedly, I want to call you to get behind and commit to this vision, to extend the reach of his kingdom. We live in a culture, honestly, that is one of total consumerism. What am I getting out of this? But a biblical culture flips this on its head and it says, what has God given me that I can contribute to the body of Christ?" What gifts has he given me to serve this city of Liverpool where God has put me? And I want to say, if you're new here, if you're just looking for a place to just receive from, we sort of understand, okay? But actually, we don't want to just let that be the place where you sit. We want to help you by equipping you to get back on your feet and to work out this beautiful commission to make disciples. Just to say where this hub is is determined honestly by God, what he opens up. And we're trusting him to provide for us a building that will serve the needs of this city. And we're trusting him to place us in a, a location where the hope will be a blessing to us and the city. But it is just a hub. It's just a building. He has called us to be a work in our communities, in our life groups, in our schools, in our uni, in our workplaces, in our sports clubs. I just want to read that uh, original Heibel's quote. There is nothing like the local church when it's working right. Its beauty is indescribable, its power is breathtaking, its potential is unlimited. It comforts the grieving and heals the broken in the context of community. It builds bridges to seekers and offers truth to the confused. It provides resources for those in need and opens its arms to the forgotten the downtrodden, the disillusioned. It breaks the chains of addiction, frees the oppressed and offers belonging to the marginalized of this world. Whatever the capacity for human suffering, the church has a greater capacity for healing and wholeness. Still to this day, the potential of the local church is almost more than I can grasp. No other organization on earth is like the church. Nothing even comes close to it. I want to ask you, does this vision of Christ's church captivate you as it captivates us? And if so, I believe this morning the Holy Spirit wants to implant faith into you today. It is God who says he will build his church, but he wants to use us to do it. And he promises, actually, that he will use us. He's prepared good works in advance for us. And it's his gifts that allow us to build the sort of community that he's describing. And if you're like me, and you're thinking, wow, show me that church. I want to join it. I want to throw you a challenge. How much more exciting to be part of building that together. I want to call you to stand and commit to using the days that you've got that God has given you. Whether you're 15 or 25 or 35 or 55 or 80 to build in this glorious church. And if you're searching for a church here in Liverpool, can I urge you, don't look for simply where you can be served. Look for where you can serve because you'll grow as you go. Okay, and I want to just end by saying, if you felt disillusioned, if you felt let down, if you felt overlooked, if you felt put aside, will you allow God to heal you today? Will you forgive, and will you commit to following him and playing the part that he's prepared for you in your brokenness, to work alongside others in theirs? let 's stand. I want to ask you to invite the Spirit to come. As I said, this is a work of the Spirit. That's how God has always planned it. Okay? He's given us a great vision. He's actually done it. But we are a church of the Spirit. And the only way that we're going to see this city reached, that we see lives that are broken, set free, It's through his Holy Spirit. It's how he used very ordinary guys who made mistake after mistake after mistake to reach the nations. Not just reaching a city, not just reaching a nation, but the nations. Because they waited. They waited for him. For his power to fill them with a boldness And a faith. And so I want to call us just to ask and to cry out for Him to fill us with faith for His church, for His brides, that He would use you, that He would highlight to you the things that He wants to give you and has already given you to see this city reached, to see this nation reached and to see the nations.